Hello and welcome to episode two of the master class. My name is Cam and I'm here as always with my good friend Dave. Dave, how's it going? I'm uh, doing well. Uh, I've been looking forward to our time together tonight. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited. This Glad is to be here. Episode two. This is this is happening. This is real. We've got a website and everything. This is awesome and scary all at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, I think before we dive into maybe our main topic, we should do some follow up because this is a podcast, and follow up is always a a good thing to do uh, on podcasts. So, first of all. Before we do that, I guess, I just want to say thanks to everyone that reached out and emailed us, which is crazy. Like, we got emails from people, and it's all from people we know, but still, that's fantastic, <laughs> you know? Like, people listen to episode one, and... Well, and it's actually all people that Cam knows, so gotta give you the kudos well, on that one there. Anyhow, it's just nice to know that, that people listened and gave us um, some good feedback. So, uh... Some of that feedback comes from one of my uh, buddies, Juliet, and she left this comment last week, and I'll cut to um, this part. It says, I'm an atheist, but I enjoy learning about religions and theological approaches. I agree with a lot of themes you bring up in episode number one, especially the value of humble living and self-sacrifice as a tool for personal growth. I don't think, though, that these things are only of value in serving God, or any higher power for that matter. I guess my question for the podcast is, what's your take on the secular use of the teachings of Jesus? There's a long historical tradition of this, such as Thomas Jefferson's edited Bible, in which he removed many of Jesus' miracles and resurrection, uh, anything he deemed contrary to reason, but still led his life devoutly guided by the teachings of Jesus. As Christians, do you see value in this, or is this essentially against the whole point for you? So her two questions are, what's our take on secular on the secular use of the teachings of Jesus, and do you see any value in that? Dave, what say you? <laughs> um, uh, my short answer is, is yes, I definitely think there um, is value in it, um, partly because um, I think it's just inherent to uh, seeking the truth and following the truth. If you seek the truth, follow the truth, it is it's going to make your life better on some level. Um, but I think it, it kind of, it's, it's, uh, this is what's come to mind. It, I think it, it misses the point. You're missing what it's really all about and, um, missing the best part of it. And so, um, I don't think, um, Christianity is just about living a good life or being a good person. Um, and I'll, you know, just from my own journey of somebody that I feel like I've made an effort to follow him that, um, we really, we, well, we can't do it on our own. And, um, I just got distracted by the iPad here. So I apologize for losing my train of thought. But, uh, so the short answer is I think it has some value, but I think you're missing the, the most important piece of, uh, knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, I think something that, that we came to consensus about was we find value in people talking about Jesus, whether they're atheist, Christian, Buddhist, uh, undecided. There's value in engaging with what Jesus said and did um, because we believe that the more you engage with who he is and what he has done, 
um, the more intrigued you're going to be by him because he's unlike any other person that's ever lived. Um, there's a reason why he still has a lasting impact 2,000 years after he lived. Um, whether you believe he rose from the dead or not, he still has an undeniable impact on the way millions of people choose to live their lives. Yes. And, and I guess that's the, the other value that I, that I would see in that as well is that, you know, if you're earnestly trying to do what he says, if you're earnestly trying to um, implement that, I think there is a, a natural tendency, um, an innate attribute of who God is that he's going to draw you in even closer. I just, uh, he, he doesn't, um, he doesn't barge into our lives, um, where he's not wanted, where he's not invited. But I think when you, we give him opportunities like that, um, he, I believe he's a, a loving God, an active God. And when we give him that invitation to be a part of our lives, he's going to seize that opportunity and really, um, reveal himself more to us and, and just the value of knowing him yeah and this question actually or these questions actually come at a um, really uh opportune time as we are going to dive into the sermon on the mount here over the next uh, few episodes and we're really going to kind of have to wade through all of what jesus is teaching in that sermon on the mount which a lot of people view as one of the greatest moral discourses of all time regardless of your religious beliefs or not um, but obviously as Christians, we are going to wade through those three chapters um, with the focus on Jesus as the Son of God and what that means for us as his disciples. Um, and there are plenty of other um, responses to um, Juliet's questions. Um, I don't know if we need to get into any of those right now or not, except maybe to say... Um, if we take Christ at his word, we, we should not cut out the parts that we don't like. It's not, um, representative of who he is or what he stood for to say, we like these parts, we don't like those parts, so we're going to ignore those parts, um, like say Jefferson did with his Bible. Um, sure he's still you know I don't really know a whole lot about Thomas Jefferson other than I think he's on some money <laughs> and he had a sweet house in Virginia I don't know history I'm terrible at it um, but my, my point is um, and maybe this, this quote from John Piper um, might help it says um, referring to what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount we think he's going to say do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets I have come, or I've not come to abolish them, but to confirm them. Again, that's what we think he's going to say. Uh, but that's not what he says. He says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so uh, if, we, if we only pick and choose which parts of Jesus' teachings that we like or not, he is affirming in his teachings that he is divine. He's, he often refers to himself, you know, you've heard it said, but I say my authority is equal to that of God's because I am God. I am divine. I come to fulfill the decrees that we gave in the Old Testament. I'm not here to teach you how to be good, nice, church-going people. I have come to, with the full authority of God, to do what we set out to do. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like I'm belaboring the point at, the, <laughs> at this juncture. Um, maybe maybe we can sum it up with another quote from Piper, who I usually don't really um, agree with on everything. I should say, um, but I'm finding his his insights here very helpful. It says Jesus was not just another member in the long line of wise men and prophets. He was the end of the line. In his own person and works, the law and the prophets were fulfilled, which is why six times in Matthew 5, Jesus stunningly confronted scripture and tradition with his supremely authoritative words, but I say to you. The divine majesty of the person of Jesus is woven inseparably into every layer of the story and the teaching. There is no portrait of Jesus as a merely human teacher of ethics in the New Testament. There is only the Lord of glory, the fulfiller of history, the judge of the universe. And so I think that's... And here I'm going to speak for Dave and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the reason that we want people um, of all backgrounds and religious beliefs to engage with who Jesus was and what he did um, is because we believe what Piper said there. We believe that if they're going to engage with what he said and what he did, genuinely, um, they're going to have to face the fact that Jesus firmly believed and taught and acted as if he was the Son of God. Read what Jesus said and did. Yeah. Go for it because um, we're confident that he's going to surprise you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I and that's, uh, God is a big God. And I, I just, um, he loves he loves the questions. Um, he, he understands our doubts. He, um, he's not, he, he, you know, I guess what, I, speaking to Juliet, uh, one, you're, uh, your question just made my day and the fact that you listen to the podcast. So thank you for, for doing that. Um, it really, it really did. It made my day. Um, but God, you know, you, you can ask those questions of him. You can, you can ask him to say, God, you know, if you're really God, I'm, I'm asking you to show me. And, um, now granted that may not, uh, you know, do the whole, uh, send a bolt of lightning down or do this, you know, those kinds of things. But I think if you earnestly, um, seek him, question him, challenge him, uh, even sort of shake your fist at him and, um, deny his existence. Um, God doesn't, you know, he doesn't get upset by that. He is not hurt by someone who has a genuine heart of, uh, wanting to know if he's real or not, or even kind of claiming that he's not real, because uh, you know when you're God, you don't need <laughs> you don't need other people to to <laughs> to believe that you're God for you to be God, because you are God. And you know the the other thing is is uh, just in terms of following a moral teacher, somebody that that claimed to be God who wasn't God, it just it just doesn't jive. And I'm not I'm not going to go deep into that argument, but you know, think of the people, um, I, I would say just like in my lifetime that, that claim to be God or Jesus incarnate or whatever, and the rest of their life just doesn't match up. You know, you have David Koresh as an example of something like that. You know, we wouldn't say, well, he was a great moral teacher uh, other than he wasn't God. It just, it just doesn't jive. It breaks down at some point when you really look at these people's lives. And people much smarter than I have much smarter than me, have looking at Jesus's life and he stands up to that test. It, it doesn't break down when you look at him. He was consistent in what he did matched what he said. 
And I think that breaks down quickly if you're not who you say you are. I think that breaks down quickly if you're just human. Well, yeah, exactly. Not, yeah, exactly. Not also yes. divine. Like, exactly. Guilty, you know, I what I say and what I do differ uh, a very uh, frustrating amount most of the time. But anyways, so Juliet, thank you for the comments and the questions. It was great to hear from you. Hope you are doing well and hope to talk to you soon. Uh, to continue with follow-up, we got an email uh, from an old college buddy of mine, uh, Stephen, and he just wanted to say thanks. Uh, he enjoyed the podcast, which is great to hear because Stephen's a smart dude, and it's nice to know that you know someone that, that I know from the, from the past is, is uh, enjoying what he's hearing. And um, he says this, I'm hoping you'll keep focusing on what Jesus said and how it ought to impact us today. It is kind of a tough balance of correcting our views and attitudes and at the same time not just bashing the church or being down on ourselves. Uh, and I thought that was a a good reminder of, of what we hope to do is because it's so easy to look at the Bible and then look at the, you know the modern church, especially some of the mainline um, churches that have strayed very far from the Bible and just start to bash away at like, oh, they're wrong, and this is in get all high and mighty about ourselves. And it's just nice to be reminded that we we can correct and we can, um, but we can also be sensitive to, you know, I assume most of those people have good intentions. You know, I don't, I don't know. But anyways, it was just nice to hear from Stephen and, and get some encouraging um thoughts on that and then i guess one last piece of follow-up from last week's episode we we spent um i'd say a decent amount of last episode talking about the importance of the bible and reading it and studying it for everyday life here in you know modern day uh 2015 and i'd like to read a quote if i may from um D. Martin Lloyd-Jones' book, Studies in the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is really, really good. It's a collection of a bunch of sermons that he gave back in the late 50s, but they are still um, shockingly accurate with the uh, the present-day culture surrounding um, Christian faith. But anyhow, this is what the quote says. But I am thinking not only of modern evangelistic activities as compared and contrasted with the great evangelistic efforts of the church in the past, uh, the present-day tendency to boisterousness, for example, and the use of means which would have horrified and shocked our fathers. But I also have in mind the life of the church in general, where the same thing is true, even in such matters as her conception of holiness and her whole approach to the doctrine of sanctification. For myself, I would suggest that the one main cause for all of this is our attitude towards the Bible, our failure to take it seriously, our failure to take it as it is, and to allow it to speak to us. Coupled with that, perhaps, is our invariable tendency to go from one extreme to the other. And I thought that those words from over 60 years ago were uh, pretty much what we tried to say, I think, about the importance of Scripture, and that most people don't take it seriously. Or even the failure to take it as it is. They want to change it. They want to ignore parts. And, and I just thought that was a nice um, kind of summation of what we were hoping to get across last episode. Yes. Dave, any thoughts before we 
dive into our main topic for today? Um, you know, I just as as we can't, you know, Cam and I have been kind of meeting for well over a year and and having these kinds of discussions without a microphone in front of us and. Um, and even prior to the, the time that Cam and I have spent together, we, we are both, um, just, um, seeking Jesus. We, we are truly kind of what the, the quote there of, um, Lloyd Jones of just, um, looking what we want to take the Bible seriously. And I think for me, um, that is, that was just kind of my, my follow-up personally from from last week to this week of just um as as i read things in the bible as i studied um other uh christians and what they've had to say of just um asking asking god to uh help me to take him seriously to take his word seriously and i don't know that just that's a big part of this podcast is um i i don't claim to have the answers i know kim you don't claim to have the answers either and um i do believe that the christian faith is a journey and um i'm i'm hoping to be challenged in some of the things uh that i think uh you know just as we've not to get it too far ahead of us but as, as we examine the sermon on the mount um it it is it's a it's a heavy uh weighty topic that um i guess i'll just i'll be candid i'll be honest that i don't think i've put as much kind of weight into it as i really should have or at least maybe not recently and so just as as i was reading that this week um just asking him to help me take it seriously and so um as we wrap up kind of our follow-up here just look forward to hearing from all of you and just um questions that you have comments that you have uh challenges that you have and just um you know um if there's anything that we say or that that we present that you think is inaccurate or whatever I'd, I'd love to be challenged on that as well because um i believe that um you know as iron sharpens iron one person sharpens another and that's i'm really here to be sharpened and to be uh, the man that God created me to be and then live a life that, that glorifies him. So, um, that's just kind of my personal, uh, wrap up of, of just that first week and, and kind of wanting you all to know where my heart is and, um, what we're hoping that this time, uh, will accomplish. So, yeah. And if you do want to get into contact with us, there are a few ways that you can yes. do that. And we would love to hear from you guys even if you think we're wrong and dumb and you know that's we want to hear that too um just hopefully not a whole lot yeah just not. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go to uh masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash two you will find all of the notes for this episode and we will link to um Pretty much anything we talk to, Bible verses, uh, we'll have some quotes up on there. Uh, anything that's pertinent to this discussion will be there, so you can follow along there. We are at Masterclass FM on Twitter, and uh, if you go to MasterclassFM.com and click on the contact button, it'll tell you, it'll let you email us, it'll let you Twitter, tweet at us. 
<laughs> Social media guru, guys, right here. Uh, and then um, it'll get you a link to our Facebook page. And you can leave comments on any of the blog posts. You can listen to the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast. All sorts of good stuff there. And we look forward to hearing from you guys very much. All right. Main topic? Absolutely. So before we really dive into um, the meat of the Sermon on the Mount, which really starts out in the very first verse, it's like, you know, the Beatitudes start. It's almost like you start your batting lineup with your cleanup hitter. <laughs> Just knock it out of the park, you know, on the very first pitch. No warm-up. Uh, we decided it might be uh, beneficial if we took some time to discuss why the Sermon on the Mount is so important, um, why it deserves serious study and thought, Um for Christians today. And so we thought we would focus on that for the rest of this episode and then pick up uh, next episode with um, the Beatitudes and go from there. All right, so Dave, why don't uh, you give us just kind of a brief intro maybe to the Sermon on the Mount and we can go from there? Sounds good. Uh, Sermon on the Mount um, is a title that human beings gave to uh, this particular um uh, talk, speech, sermon, discourse uh, that Jesus gave, and it can be found uh, in the Bible in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And really, I do believe that all three of those chapters and the entire Sermon on the Mount uh, should be read as one piece, and that um, to understand the points that Jesus makes during uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you really have to read those three chapters in the context of each other. Now, it doesn't mean that we won't uh, focus on a particular section like the Beatitudes, uh, but as we do that, we'll, we'll reference the other parts of the chapter and kind of uh, hopefully um, explain why um, a certain interpretation or why uh, we view what is said in a certain light, because it should fit with everything that else that is said um, in those three chapters. And again, it wasn't, um, this isn't, uh, it is in Matthew. It is um, also uh, similarities between uh, what is found in Luke 6, um, but as a whole, uh, it, the meat of it and, and what we really get out of this is from Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Definitely. And so... I think one of the important things for me here is, is I don't know if your Bible is a red letter version or not. Mm-hmm. Most of mine are. And it's kind of fun sometimes just to scroll like <laughs> real quick through the Bible. <laughs> and it's like all black pages for the entire Old Testament. That is very true. And then you get to the Gospels and it's like black. Page. And then like for these like three chapters is just straight red. And... Uh, it catches your eye for obvious reasons. Yes. Um, and one thing that I think is important to remember when we're reading the red letters, or even, you know, Paul talking about what Jesus said, is that Jesus didn't say anything by accident. I wish I knew what that was like. I say <laughs> really dumb stuff, or misspeak, or flat out lie all the time. Um, but he did not say anything by accident, especially 
when you consider the situation where he is sitting on the side of a hill and he is speaking with the authority of God about what scripture means and what it is about and what his kingdom is about. I mean, this is a, if you read this, as Dave said, five, six, and seven as in, in one sitting, this is an incredibly thorough discourse on what life with Jesus is like and how Jesus led his life. And it's crushing. But he's not making this stuff up. He's not doing what most guys do and blowing things a little bit out of proportion to sound <laughs> cooler and a little more dangerous and a little more awesome. Uh, he is delivering what I can only imagine was uh, just knockout punch after knockout punch of this is what life is about, especially when you consider what most Jews expected the Messiah to be, which was this guy who was going to come and take over the political situation and save them right then and there from the situation they were in. Um, it's all there for a reason, whether we like it or not. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, maybe the sections on uh, lust or anger or divorce that we might just be like, mm, yeah, we're just, I get what you're saying, but I mean, we're just not going to go there. Um, so there's an article uh, from the Gospel Coalition um, that will be linked to in the show notes. It's called Why You Can't Pit Jesus Against His Bible. Um, and it's written by Derek Rishmawi. I hope I said that correctly. Um, it'll be in the show notes. You should go check it out. Um, it just talks about kind of what we were talking about earlier in this episode, that if you're going to take what Jesus says um, in the Sermon on the Mount, you have to take it as a whole. You can't, you can't use Jesus' words against the Bible because, well, the Bible's God's word and Jesus is God. And, so, and the word. Exactly. There you go. So it's a really good article. I don't. We don't have enough time really to to get into it, but it'll be in the show notes. You should check it out. Um, and here is here's kind of a summation that uh, D. Martin Lloyd Jones had about the Sermon on the Mount. He says the Sermon on the Mount is nothing but a great and grand and perfect elaboration of what our Lord called His new commandment, that we love one another even as He has loved us. Here we are shown how to do it. The great purpose of this sermon is to give an exposition of the kingdom of God as something which is essentially spiritual. And I don't know about you, Dave, but I find things that are essentially spiritual to be um, difficult sometimes. Yes. To grasp, to understand, to um, uh, incorporate into the very physical world that I am subject to every day yes and so I think as we you know go through and, and, and read through the Sermon on the Mount it's going to be very important for us to take the time to try and understand what is going on spiritually speaking when we talk about um, seeking after righteousness and judging other people and dealing with sexual impurity and those things and realizing that there's a lot more going on with what Jesus said but also with what we are handling and working through when we think about those things like you know dealing with sexual impurity is not just stopping to look at porn or stopping from looking at it 
there are motivations and thoughts that he talks about or anger it's you know we don't murder someone great but we're really really angry and we want to we just don't do it and he gets to the spiritual motivation for why we have those thoughts you know it's not this is not a uh treatment for symptoms i guess you could say jesus is going for the the root of the problem which is sin obviously but it's i don't know I, I had a point when I started this. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, you mentioned that that Jesus was going is going for the root of the problem. And you talk about the spiritual and living in, in the physical world. And this is where, um, you know, taking God seriously at what he said. Um, one, do I really do I really think I can do all the things that he says in here and maybe not so much do i think i can but do i think that through through the holy spirit do i believe that this is an obtainable objective like if jesus says this is what we're we're supposed to strive for uh can i do it and then um wrestling with uh talking about being spiritual in the physical world that we live in and um one of the uh, aha moments that I had of this week or one of the things that just really kind of stood out for me is that we are spiritual beings living in a physical world and I'm really not trying to be profound I'm not trying to be like oh blow your mind with that <laughs> um, but it just it really hit me that I don't live that way yeah and so um taking Jesus at his word for what he has for us, and even what you were talking about with, um, you know, things of a spiritual nature are so um, difficult to grasp, implement, and all that. But the underlying reality of who we are is a spirit. We are spiritual beings living in a physical world. And I, uh, you know... Um, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the movie. The scene just happens to stand out to me, of uh, the Matrix, and I don't know a whole lot about the movie. But there's a, there's a dinner scene where the guy's eating a steak, and he basically just makes the point of I know this is this isn't real, or it may not be real, or I don't know if it's real or whatever. But boy, does it taste good, and boy, do I you know he just is really enjoying this steak and savoring it. And I may even be butchering the movie, so I apologize for any Matrix fans out there. But I know for me, I am so quickly drawn into um, the physical elements of this world that give me a temporary high, whatever that is. And that, that can be lusting. Uh, and like you said, it doesn't need to be pornography. It can be things that I see, people that I see. It can be the Disney Channel. That probably sounds horrible, but... <laughs> That's the podcast. <laughs> See you never. Uh, lust. Lust. Yes. So anyway, we'll go. We'll get back to lust. Um, it can be anything. So so it doesn't have to be pornography. It can be anything that causes us to. Uh, and it, you know, I'm guessing in Jesus' day, pornography was not. Prevalent, but I don't really know to be honest with you. The temple prostitutes and, yeah, and things like that. And so, that sort of thing. Um, 
and I've completely lost my train of thought. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm amazed at how quickly I am drawn into just the simple pleasures of the world, choosing what satisfies now versus really pursuing that which I want for eternity. Yeah, that, that um, really reminds me a lot of Ecclesiastes and what Solomon is getting at. Like, he had everything, and he went for everything. Money, wives, power, land, animals, wisdom. He had it all. And he's like, I'm going to die just like the poor guy across the street. Yep. Or the dumb guy, or my son is going to get everything that I've worked so hard for, and he didn't earn a single thing, and and that's really this the simplified version of Ecclesiastes. But the point is that what satisfies and what gives purpose um, long term is not the physical pleasures of the world, because those are all fleeting. You know, even if you're the CEO of the biggest corporation in the country or the world, at some point you're not going to be that. Yeah. You're either going to die, or you're going to retire, or you're going to get fired. That 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 power is going to end at some point. Um, yeah, and given enough time, nobody's even going to remember you. Exactly. Or, or for that matter, n- nobody cares that you're in that position. They're waiting for you to leave so they can have that position. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, I don't know. Yeah, so just the the spiritual aspect of what Jesus is, um, and that'll that'll very much come into um, play, especially later on when we get to the parables, because um, those are always there's the story above, and then there's a what's he really <laughs> getting at, and then you just feel like a horrible person, um, which guilt is not, man. There we go. <laughs> Not what I meant, but anyways, uh, perhaps we should move on to uh, this verse that um, I think really sums up the Sermon on the Mount. If we were to have to choose one verse from the Sermon on the Mount, it would be Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then Lloyd-Jones had this to say about that verse. This is there, I say, is a description of the Christian who knows he is always in the presence of God, so that when he is interested, so, pardon, so that what he is interested in is not the impression he makes on other men, but his relationship to God. Thus, when he prays, he is not interested in what other people are thinking, whether they are praising his prayer or criticizing him. He knows he is in the presence of the Father, and he is praying to God. Furthermore, as he meets problems in life, his need of food and clothing, his reaction to external events, all are viewed in the light of this relationship which he bears with the Father. This is a very important principle with regard to the Christian life. And I think one of the things that physical pleasures or niceties or things that we think are physical necessities so often replace that but seek first the kingdom of god it's like i'll get to that later i've got i've got to go to work i've got to take the kids to do this i've got to save money for that i've got to pay this off i've got to deal with my crazy neighbor also i'm married i have to be like a good you know and and it's so easy to get caught up in the urgency of important things in heavy quotes there um 
but I mean, it's just, it's so simple in this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Like, if you, if you are seeking after God, if you are seeking after his truth and what it means to be his child, the other things are going to be okay. Doesn't mean life is not going to suck sometimes. It's it, it's going to. Yeah. But our reaction to those things, how we view those things, the impact that those things have on our lives, according to Jesus, is going to be different than if we are seeking first our desires, um, you know, any, any of the other idols that present themselves in, in everyday life. And it's just one of those things to me that's so simple to say. I mean, it's a very concise verse. Mm-hmm. It's so simple to say. And they go, oh yeah, that makes sense. If I believe what the Bible says to be true, then I should be doing this. But then, you know, five minutes later, it's like the hardest thing to do. Right. Because, well, because we're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> or I am. I won't speak for anyone else. But. Well, and just even when, when you are in those moments of, okay, I am going to seek him first. Or... I'm going to choose him over something else. Uh, how incredibly difficult it can be to not think about everything else that needs to be done or that we want to stress about and handle ourselves instead of giving to him or, uh, you know, whatever that may be. I, you know, it, it, I, it definitely, and as, as we go along, I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but just the, the discipline of, of being able to be in his presence and putting him first and not allowing those other thoughts to, to creep in and get us, allow us to get distracted. And, um, uh, you know, again, it, it, uh, I think ultimately when it comes down to it for me, um, I'm putting myself first, you know, it's, it's not even putting other things first. Those other things are there because I like the way they make me feel. I like the mm-hmm. way, um, I, or, or for that matter, it's, it, you know, the things that I stress about, you know, it, it's, it's, it's about me and the way I feel about what the situation is and have a very hard time just relinquishing that to God and letting him have it. So, um, definitely a challenge, uh, to put him first, even when you know it's what you want. And, 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 and I guess I should say this, I have had those, I do have those moments of, of being able to put him first and being in his presence and enjoying him and, 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 uh, just, you know, living in the presence of God and being with him, even then it's still just, it is difficult. It's not for whatever reason, it's not natural. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's, I want to, I want to hang on something that you said there because I've been having this thought in, in, in my own pride. I'm like, Oh, it's really profound. It's not, I'm sure everyone's (laughs) had this thought a hundred times. I'm just, you know, me. Um, I find I find it interesting and very, very, very frustrating that my perspective of the world is based on me, right? Like what I see out of my eyes, what I feel with my body, Mm -hmm. um, what I go through on a daily basis is, um, 
forming in my mind and in my heart what I expect life to be, how it should be. Um, and it's, I just, I, I kind of think God is being really funny when he's like, I'm going to put them all in their own bodies. They're going to hate it. <laughs> like, because we're called to, you know, to be selfless, to, to sacrifice, to not judge, to forgive, to show mercy, to do all these things that are beneficial to other people, but they don't seem to be beneficial to us in that moment. I'm in my body. I can see the effect that it's having on other people. And the whole time I'm wanting it to benefit me. Uh, and so I, I just, I find that so much of where my selfishness comes from is this idea that like, I can only experience what I can experience, right? Like what I can see, what I can feel, like I said earlier, but all these things that Christ is calling us to do are things that are not physically tangible for the most part. Like obviously if I'm going to go serve and do like a, a missions trip, I'm going to get sweaty. I'm going to get dirty. I'm going to, I'm going to serve those people and I'm going to have some, hopefully some emotional um, response to that. But this whole spiritual aspect of what Jesus is calling us to is so opposite of what the world presents us on a daily basis that it's almost like, my sensors for physical stimuli are so high, especially nowadays. Like, I've got my smartphone, I've got my pebble, so that when my smartphone <laughs> rings, it rings on my wrist, and I've got music and podcasts and, and all this crazy, you know, stimuli, and then it's like we go to, like, our spiritual place, and it's just, like, dead quiet, right? So it just, it's just, it's interesting to me, this whole, this call to spirituality and how the world just inundates us with um, stimulus and into our body and, and, and feeling good and, and instant gratification and, and all this stuff into the only way that we can experience things in Christ is saying, no, 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 that's not how this works. We're going to talk about physical stuff, but we're going we're gonna to go right through the physical stuff, right to the spiritual stuff, and you're not going to like it because we are so trained. Oh, yeah for physical encounters, uh, you know, whatever they may be. So I just, I think it's funny that, you know, even in his foresight before God created us, he gave <laughs> us physical bodies to experience physical things and then it's like, hmm, but we're going to do everything spiritually. We can't see it, we can't touch it, but that's the most important thing and it's going to drive us nuts. Yes. So, end of rant. I just, <laughs> that's really been weighing on me. Like the last week or two, just thinking about that, like, man, this is really like unfair. I've got to do all this spiritual stuff and I can't feel it. I can't touch it. I can't play with it. Like it's not instantly gratifying, you know? So it's, it's just very subversive to me, which again is, you know, not surprising. That's, <laughs> I hope some of that made sense. I don't really know. <laughs> so perhaps a good way to sum up, um, my little rant there is this quote from uh, The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Uh, what we have come to call the Sermon on the Mount is a concise statement of Jesus' teaching on how to actually live in the reality of God's present kingdom available to us from the very space surrounding our bodies. It concludes with the statement that all who hear and do what he there says will have a life that can stand up to everything. That is a life for eternity because it is already in the eternal. And he's just so good at saying what I want to say much more clearly and brilliantly.
Yes, I I am just always amazed at just about everything that 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 man says and his ability to to grasp, you know, uh, what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount and to put it into a way that, um, while it's incredibly deep and uh, just has so much substance to it, it is understandable and it puts very much a um, a concrete kind of understanding uh, to it for me. Uh, I, I, I am just... I, I completely admire the way he is able to do that uh, with scripture and um, the things that, that Jesus said. And again, just kind of going even back to that, um, trying to take um, the words, the teachings of Jesus seriously, um, trying to grasp that sense of, um, and even kind of what you were talking about with the spirituality of just that, God's kingdom is available to us now. And I think that's um, something that I, in, my, in the whole scheme of my, my Christian life is, is a relatively new concept to me that the kingdom of heaven is here now, or at least on a level where I, I believe that I believe it. Um, but that, you know, the kingdom of heaven is not somewhere else. It's not for later in life that it, that it is for now. And, uh, I think for me in so many ways that defines that tension of the physical and the spiritual and, and even what you were just talking about of just, it is here and it is now, but I can't, I don't have that tangible thing that I can grasp onto. Yeah. You can't go hang out in the kingdom of God. Like it's not some <laughs> building or some place you can just go hang out in, right? And 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 I think I guess even with that being said, I I uh, I do think there are, um, you know, I I I don't want to sound like we're completely just you know blindly believing something either. I I do there believe that there um, there is a peace that comes. Uh, from from being in the presence of God, there is, you know, there are there are those things that do make it go. For me, this is real, and I believe it. Um, but they're not as frequent as I would like, and they're not quite as concrete as I would like. Well, I think maybe that's a good place to stop for this week. Uh, sounds good to me. All right. So you can find the show notes for this episode at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash two. You can find us on Twitter at masterclassfm or email us. All that's on the website too under the contacts page. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, next time around, we're going to uh, take a stab at this question. According to Jesus, who has the good life? See you then. Bye.